What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being generous and staying connected with the Water's Edge gathering. We love you. Thank you so much. A couple of weeks ago on Easter, we started a brand new series entitled Recalculate. How do you pick up the pieces? How do you recover when the plans for your life have changed? When you have this personal storm in your life that you didn't even see coming, or maybe it was because some of your own actions, but regardless, you have this personal pain in your life and it's caused your plans to change, and now you're trying to pick up the pieces. This morning, we move on with part five. A story can be interesting. A story can be captivating. A story can be boring. A story can be personal. A story can be gossip. A story can be funny. A story can be half true and a story can be not true at all. And chances are you've heard stories about other people that inspired you. You've heard stories about other people that made you laugh, that made you cry, that made you question them, that confused you and maybe possibly caused you to judge them. And chances are you've heard stories about yourself. Stories that made you happy, stories that made you sad, stories that embarrassed you, stories that were true, and stories that you knew were absolutely false gossip. Several years ago, I was in a wedding, and I was really, really close good friends with the bride and the groom. And at the rehearsal, one night when it was over, we were sitting in the back of the venue, and me and my friends were just kind of hanging out and talking, just making jokes and goofing around. And uh, a few minutes into it, the minister who was performing the wedding ceremony came and he sat with us. And he didn't know who I was. He didn't know what my name was. And as he sat down, he began to talk about another pastor from the same town that he was from, which was my dad. He was talking about my dad. And he began to talk about my dad and tell a story that was completely negative. He didn't have much good to say about my dad. It didn't really bother me because this guy didn't have good to say about anyone but he was talking bad about my dad. And about halfway through it, I stopped him and I said, hey, do you know who I am? He goes, no, sir, I don't. And I said, my name's Tony Bork. I said, I'm Ray Bork's son. And he goes, ah, oh, he started laughing. He goes, I've known your dad for a long time. To which I said, apparently you don't know him well enough. I said, because the story you just told is not true. In fact, you've gotten my dad mixed up with someone else because I know who you're talking about and it's not my dad. He goes, well, I didn't mean anything by it. And I said, it doesn't matter if you didn't mean anything by it. I said, I'm going to tell my dad about this. I'll get my dad to call you tomorrow and you can apologize to him directly. And again, he said, no, no, not necessary. I didn't mean anything by it. And I said, it doesn't matter because you told the story and stories are powerful and people remember stories and stories are powerful. And your life and my life tells a story and not everyone is going to embrace or appreciate that story, but your life is still telling a story. Do you ever look back and just wonder where all the regret came from? How did I? How could I? Why didn't I see it? Why didn't I pay attention? How did I end up in this place? Life is a story, and that story is written by our decisions, by our reactions, and by our choices. And our regret is born the moment we find some foggy reason to justify why we do what we do and how we do it. Anything can be justified, but it doesn't mean that it writes a good story. And don't we all want our life to tell a better story right now than it currently is? Now, hold on to that thought. And as you do, I want to show you something very interesting and eye-opening from the scripture. The first passage is right after Jesus died on the cross. And some of his followers go to prepare his body for burial. And I want you to notice what it says about these two particular disciples. John chapter 19, verses 38 through 39. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders... 
asked Pilate for permission to take down the body of Jesus. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and he took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had came to meet Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and aloes. So Joseph of Arimathea, right here in this passage, it says that he was a secret disciple of Jesus because apparently he feared what the religious Jewish leaders would do to him if they found out that his faith was in Jesus Christ. And Nicodemus was a Jewish religious leader, but he also followed Jesus, but he met Jesus secretly at night. But yet there's nothing in the text that ever suggests that they were not true disciples. There's nothing in the Bible that ever suggests that they were not in love with Jesus, that they didn't have good and changed hearts and that they were not passionate about Jesus. And so publicly, publicly, they did not broadcast or make this huge, bold announcement that they were followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, they kept it a public secret. So they would have felt really bad that night on youth camp, when the youth preacher stood up and said, who's ready to die for Jesus? If you're not ready to die for Jesus, then you're not a good enough disciple. They would have felt really bad on this night because their faith at this moment was secret and private. But their hearts, their motives, their faith, their integrity and their character was good. And it was godly. When it came down to it, at the end of the day, they were sincere and genuine disciples, which means this. And notice this first point today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Someone's public life doesn't always tell you their entire story. Now, next, remember the disciple Judas, one of the original 12. He followed Jesus publicly. He served Jesus publicly. He was a bold public disciple all throughout the ministry of Jesus. He left his life behind so he could be a disciple of Jesus and follow Jesus. But what was going on in his heart on the inside? Matthew chapter 26, 47 through 50. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priest and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. So even as he betrayed Jesus, Judas who publicly said that he was a disciple of Jesus and walked with Jesus for three years. Even as he betrayed Jesus, he kissed Jesus publicly, showing this public affection and love for God's son, even though betrayal to God was in his heart. And so again, someone's public life doesn't always tell you their entire story. Check out what James says about it, the half-brother of Jesus, James chapter 1, verses 23 through 24. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. When you know the right way, the right choice, the right decision, the right thing to do, but you do the opposite. James says it's like you have a broken mirror. You look in the mirror and then you see what you look like. And as soon as you turn away, you forget. I've never done that. I've never looked in the mirror in the morning and said, man, I didn't know I didn't have hair. I forgot. Man, I, I, didn't, I didn't know my ears were this big. I forgot. But James says this, when you know the right thing to do and the right way to go, but you do the opposite, it's like you don't have this self-awareness in you. You look into a mirror and you don't even see who you really are. Now, let me just share my heart with you today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. You may not realize this, but when you're trying to pick up the pieces of your life after a personal storm, personal heartache, personal suffering, personal pain, or even after your own mistakes, the only way you can really recover, the only way you can really recalculate and pick up the pieces is if you start with one thing, and this is what it is, and notice this today, it's self 
awareness. You will never pick up the pieces of your life. You will never recalculate when your plans have changed. You will never recover from your pain if you don't come face to face with yourself and practice self-awareness. Are you fully aware of who you really are, what you're doing, what you're hiding, the things that you're doing good, and what you're capable of. Here's a good definition of what it means to be self-aware. And notice this. It's an honest evaluation of someone's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. Your character, your feelings, your motives, and your desires will either sink you or they will protect you from hurting others and hurting yourself. And here's one of the problems that I see all over our society today. It's like so many people are looking into a mirror that's broken. They either don't see how and who they really are or they're blind to how and who they really are or they have low character and their public life doesn't match their private life and their public image doesn't match their private character because their main concern is to throw people off with their public life because they have no intentions on dealing and changing their weaknesses in their heart. They want everyone to think in a positive way about them publicly without ever working on their character, their integrity, their motives, and their desires. And this is becoming even more evident today in our society due to social media. Have you ever heard a story about someone and it just seemed impossible? I mean, shocking. Someone calls you, someone sends you a text, someone sends you a message and says, have you heard? And then they go on to tell you the story. And as you hear the story, you're just shocked. And the reason why it seemed impossible is because all you saw was their public life and their public life on social media. And it just looked different than the story that they're telling you. What? That happened to them? I mean, judging by their social media, they seem so happy. What? That happened to him or her? I mean, judging by their social media, they seem so Christian. What? That happened, they seem so in love. What? That happened, they seem so perfect together. What? That happened, they seem so sincere and honest. Why? Because all they were working on was their public image and not their heart. Are you self-aware? Do you evaluate constantly your character, your motives, your desires, and your feelings so you can change what needs to be changed? Most of us get into a bind because instead of changing those parts of us, we find reasons to justify why we do what we do why we feel the way we feel, and why we make the choices that we make. In fact, it's good and holy and necessary to practice self-awareness. Now, I want you to notice a few observations. The first thing is this. You're still with me, so I'm still with you. One way you can know that someone or you yourself has a problem with self-awareness is this, number one. You have become publicly critical of others who do the same thing that you do privately. That's one way you can know that you have a big problem with self-awareness and that your mirror is broken. You're publicly critical of the same things that you do privately in others. You're critical of liars, but what have you lied about? You're critical of those who fall, but haven't you fallen? You're critical of those who struggle, but what are you struggling with? You're critical of those who betray others, but how have you betrayed people that love you? You're critical of others who have a bad moment, but haven't you? When we act this way, it's like our mirror is broken and we have no self-awareness and our life doesn't match up privately and publicly. The second thing is this, number two. Some people aren't as bad as you assume based off of their public image. When you see something publicly, and it may rub you the wrong way about them. You may see something they've done or said or posted publicly and it may offend you, it may bother you, it may produce questions and concerns and doubts inside of you about them and about their faith and about their sincerity. It may produce opinions inside of you about them, opinions about their heart, their faith, 
their sincerity, their relationships, their morals, their character. And I'm sure that people judge Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus for keeping their faith private. But it would do us well to understand that someone's public image doesn't always tell you their entire story, their heart, their background, their past, their struggles, their pain. What if their heart is better than you think? What if their motives are better than you think? What if their love and their character is better than you think? We must learn to love all people properly and faithfully and fairly. But now the third thing is this. Some people aren't as good as you assume based off of their public image. And let me just say this today to us as individuals. When I hit this third point, I don't want you to think about other people right now. I want you to think about yourself and think about yourself only. If the public image you're currently giving off about your faith, your integrity, your morals, your heart, your relationships, your family, your marriage, whatever, is not the true private story, then your self-awareness mirror is broken. You want everyone to think a certain way about you publicly without ever dealing with your mess on the inside. You will never pick up the pieces of your life and recover unless you build a solid character. And the only way to do that is to just be real. And I tell people all, that all the time. If you want to make a difference in this world as someone who has faith in God, faith in Christ, then stop pretending, stop acting. You don't have to wear all the t-shirts that say, here's my bold announcement. You don't have to put on all the bumper stickers. Just be real. If you're struggling and you're hurting, be real about it it. The world needs to see that in us. If you're failing, if you're confused, be real about it. If you're sad, if you're ashamed, be real about it. If you're in regret, if you're in pain, if you're happy, if you're growing, if you're focused, if you have joy, just be real about it. And that realness will build more credibility with God in your life and more credibility with the other people that are watching you live if we would just be real. And let's not say this today. I need to do better. So many people say that all the time. Pastor, pray for me. I need to do better. Let's stop saying I need to do better. All that does is make you feel better right now so the guilt can go away without no intentions of ever changing. Let's say this today. I will do better. Why did I? How could I? Why didn't I see it? Why did I ignore it? How did I end up in this place? Self-awareness is broken. Life is a story. And that story is written by our decisions, by our choices, and by our reactions. And our regret is born the moment we find some reason to justify why we do what we do. Anything can be justified, but it doesn't always write a good story. And don't we want our lives to tell a better story, to write a better story? If so, then it needs to be true. It needs to be a true story. And the only way to write a better story that's true through self-awareness. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We love you. Have a great week. Hope to see you back next week.